Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Holy Saturday. Uh, this is a, a day in which uh, perhaps uh, liturgically, as we've been doing, we have uh, much to, to talk about. Uh, however, the day of Holy Saturday itself is somewhat what is known as an aliturgical day, in that there, there is no Mass uh, for the day of Saturday. Rather, the church gives us today to watch, wait at the Lord's tomb, to keep vigil, to do as probably the apostles were, were doing on this day. They would have been keeping the Sabbath, it being Saturday. We remember as we ended yesterday's liturgy, there was a great haste to be able to get the body of Jesus off the cross and buried in the tomb, uh, because the, the next day, which would begin at sundown, was in fact the Passover. And so it would be a required day of rest, and that's what the apostles would have been doing today. They would have been resting. And so that is what we do today as well. And as we do so, we are, of course, reminded that on this day, the body of Jesus was laid resting in the tomb. And so the church gives us today, as with the last three days, the, the liturgy of this morning is not a morning mass or anything like that. There's only, only one mass today, this evening, the Easter Vigil. Rather, the, the liturgy of today, there are a couple things. One is, as I've said the last couple days, the liturgy of the hours so this morning, there would again be the Office of, of Tenebrae, uh, as it's traditionally known, but modernly the, the office, of, office of Readings and Morning Prayer combined together, uh, matins and lauds. Uh, this would be the, the time in which the, the church gathers to keep watch, wait, uh, not to anticipate the full celebration of the Lord's resurrection. Sometimes people get this wrong and feel like, oh, well, uh, Good Friday is over, you know, so thank goodness that's done. Let's celebrate. It's Easter. Not so fast. Uh, today is, in fact, uh, a day in which we, we do not celebrate Easter yet. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but today, the, the instructions actually say that, you know, as we left uh, the church yesterday, we, we heard that the, uh, the, the cross was to remain on the altar or at the altar uh, so that people could venerate the cross, even today. So theoretically, if you were to come to your, your church today, ideally, you would find, much as we did on Good Friday, the church empty, stripped, bare, quiet, altar completely bare, and the cross with two candles. Now, I say ideally, because in the uh, the real world for most parishes, if you were actually to come to your, your church right now on Holy Saturday morning, what you would find is probably a flurry of activity trying to decorate, get ready for Easter, perhaps ministers and choir practicing. Uh, in the real world, that's probably more likely what you would find. But at least ideally, even today at the church, should be a day of quiet, uh, venerate the cross, personally pray, the Liturgy of the Hours, watch. As we uh, begin today, uh, I'd like to, to take a little bit 
uh, an excerpt from the that Tenebrae Office Liturgy of the the Hours from the the Office of Matins or Office of Readings from the uh, the modern version of that uh, in the traditional Latin Mass from the the books from 1962 and and before uh, Tenebrae Matins and, and Lauds would have been. Uh, I always when I was in D.C. I would go join my friends at the the Oratorians uh, there and we would solemnly chant the the Tenebrae office take about three hours uh with you know their their nine readings and nine psalms and prayers in in matins and then lauds has its own five psalms and uh, hymns and things like that so to solemnly do it is about it was about three hours when i was in dc uh, not not so much here uh, this morning but in the the modern version there are just two readings in the office of readings uh one is from the sacred scripture and and the other today is simply entitled An Ancient Homily on Holy Saturday. So we don't know who wrote it. Uh, we don't know exactly when it would have been given. Perhaps uh, when we have these things, it would have been some instruction given to catechumens who were about to be baptized that night and some of the faithful uh, that would gather. But um, I'd like to share that with you today because I think it it's a good start to our Holy Saturday reflection this morning. And if you don't pray the, the full Liturgy of the Hours with the Office of Readings, this is a, a part of the Church's liturgy that you would never hear. And it's it's really quite beautiful, and it really kind of speaks to what it is that we are about here on Holy Saturday. So this is, is from uh, an ancient homily on Holy Saturday. Uh, it is describing the, the Lord's descent into hell. And keep in mind, when we talk about hell uh, here, uh, Prior to Jesus' uh, going to heaven today on Holy Saturday and opening paradise, all the dead would have been awaiting this day uh, in a place of uh, what in Hebrew is known as Sheol, or in Greek, Hades. Uh, but it, it does not mean um, the Gehenna that Jesus often uses as a metaphor, as a, a place of damnation and, and punishment. Rather, this would have been a place of all the dead where they would be simply waiting. These are the, the just people, Adam and Eve, as we'll see, Abraham, Moses, David, all the prophets. They were all waiting for this day. And so this reading this morning from the Office of Readings describes perhaps uh, what it could have looked like as Jesus today descended to hell, this place of the dead, to bring those just souls uh, to paradise. So here it is. What is happening? Today there is a great silence over the earth, a great silence and stillness, a great silence because the king sleeps. The earth was in terror and was still because God slept in the flesh and raised up those who were sleeping from the ages. God has died in the flesh and the underworld has trembled. Truly, he goes to seek out our first parent like a lost sheep. He wishes to visit those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. He goes to free a prisoner Adam and his fellow prisoner Eve from their pains. He who is God and Adam's son. The Lord goes into them holding his victorious weapon, his cross. 
When Adam, the first created man, sees him, he strikes his breast in terror and calls out to all, my Lord be with you all. And Christ in reply says to Adam, and with your spirit, and grasping his hand, he raises him up, saying, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. I am your God, who for your sake became your Son, who for you and your descendants now speak and command with authority those in prison, come forth, and those in darkness have light, and those who sleep, rise. I command you, awake, sleeper. I have not made you to be held a prisoner in the underworld. Arise from the dead. I am the life of the dead. Arise, O man, work of my hands. Arise, you who were fashioned in my image. Rise, let us go hence. For you in me and I in you, together we are one undivided person. For you, I, your God, became your son. For you, I, the master, took on your form, that of slave. For you, I, who am above the heavens, came on earth and under the earth. For you, man, I became as a man without help, free among the dead. For you, who left a garden, I was handed over to the Jews from a garden and crucified in a garden. Look, at the spittle on my face, which I received because of you, in order to restore you to that first divine inbreathing of creation. See the blows on my cheeks, which I accepted in order to refashion your distorted form to my own image. See the scourging of my back, which I accepted in order to disperse the load of your sins, which was laid upon your back. See my hands nailed to the tree for a good purpose for you who stretched out your hand to the tree for an evil one. I slept on the cross and a sword pierced my side for you who slept in paradise and brought forth Eve from your side. My side healed the pain of your side. My sleep will release you from your sleep in Hades. My sword has checked the sword which turned against you. But arise. Let us go hence. The enemy brought you out of the land of paradise. I will reinstate you no longer in paradise, but on the throne of heaven. I denied you the tree of life, which was a figure, but now I myself am united to you, I who am life. I posted the cherubim to guard you as they would slaves. Now I make the cherubim worship you as they would God. The cherubim throne has been prepared. The bearers are ready and waiting. The bridal chamber is in order. The food is prepared. The everlasting houses and rooms are in readiness. The treasures of good things have been opened. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared before the ages. What a beautiful beginning of our meditations today on, on Holy Saturday this harrowing of hell, as it's sometimes called. What was Jesus doing on, on Holy Saturday? Well, perhaps something like what we just read. Think about the great joy that there would be 
for Adam, Eve, all the other holy souls. We just take for granted today that, well, of course we can go to heaven. And more so, we even take for granted that, well, probably everyone goes to heaven. Remember at the ending of the fall in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve were driven out, and as it said in the reading just there, God stationed a cherubim with a a sword to prevent them from coming back. Who would have imagined then what we have today, that Jesus says, I will restore you not to that paradise, but to the real one, the heavenly paradise. Because Eden was a place uh, on earth. It was merely a a prefiguring of the the living with God that we would all meant to experience, but no one could from Adam and Eve until this day, Holy Saturday, 2,000 years ago. So as we meditate today on the the liturgy of Holy Saturday, and we'll we'll move on to talk about the Easter Vigil, the, the day of Holy Saturday itself is a day of expectation, waiting. The instructions for Mass tonight begin uh, right before the Mass. It says, On Holy Saturday, the church waits at the Lord's tomb in prayer and fasting, meditating on his passion and death and on his descent into hell and awaiting his resurrection. Notice it says prayer and fasting. This is where I say again, uh, people think, well, well, Good Friday is over, so let's party. Okay, as I, I mentioned at the beginning of the, the Triduum, the instructions are that, if possible, the uh, the Paschal fast should be continued through Holy Saturday. It's not Easter yet. What should we be doing? Prayer, fasting, meditating on his passion and death and descent into hell and awaiting his resurrection. It says the church abstains from the sacrifice of mass with the sacred table left bare, until after the solemn vigil, that is the anticipation by night of the resurrection when the time comes for Paschal joys, the abundance of which overflows to occupy 50 days. So that is the plan for today, for Holy Saturday, a day of prayer, fasting, meditating, and awaiting. So uh, I I don't know how much you'll be able to to do that today. Uh, It is at least Saturday, so hopefully a lot of people are off work and you have more freedom in your schedule to plan today. Uh, We know that we tend to fill up those days with all kinds of things, though. So maybe try to find at least some time today, maybe to go, you can can Google an ancient homily for Holy Saturday and and find what I, I just read and maybe meditate on that, at least for a little bit. But then we come uh, to this evening, and as uh, evening uh, draws on, we, we then truly uh, can anticipate uh, with great joy uh, the celebrations of tonight. And I, I say deliberately uh, tonight uh, because it is a nighttime liturgy that we will celebrate. People will, will probably today, since it's Saturday, there'll be at least a few people who will wonder why is there no Mass at 5 p.m.? Um, because uh, the, the only Mass today is the first Mass of Easter, and that is the Easter Vigil, or the Vigil in the Night. If we think about it, why, why the nighttime of Holy Saturday? 
Well, we read in the scriptures, of course, that on uh, you know Good Friday, Jesus is buried in the tomb by by sundown, and then when we next see, it's Easter Sunday morning, and depending on which gospel, it's either before the sun has risen or while it's still dark or while the sun is rising, the the women go to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. So we know that by the time they get there, Easter Sunday morning, Jesus has already risen. So when does Jesus rise from the dead? Sometime during the night of Holy Saturday. And so from the, the earliest time in the, the church, uh, the church gathered the nighttime of Saturday to keep vigil, often going all night long, to end with the celebration of the, the Holy Eucharist uh, at the, the end of that nighttime vigil. That was the, the Mass of, of Easter. There's only one. Uh, there is not uh, this repeating of Mass over and over on Easter Sunday. There was one Easter Mass, and it was the great vigil culminating in the celebration of the, the Easter Eucharist. So that's the, the origin, a little bit of our, our Easter vigil that, that we'll celebrate tonight. Um, it, is, it is also uh, a chance for us to gather and do as the early church did to, to read especially the, the scriptures. So as we go through the, the outline of this liturgy for today, realize that the church says that the thing that is most characteristic of the Easter Vigil is an extended reading from sacred scripture. And in this way, we, we do a, a little bit of what Jews would do at, at Passover to, to read the stories, the history of what, what God has, has been doing. And of course, we as Christians do this in the, the new light of Jesus risen from the dead. And so we, we will read tonight the stories of the scriptures. We will celebrate rites of Christian initiation with baptisms, confirmations, first communions. Then we will get to receive the, the Eucharist, once again, consecrated uh, in the new light of Easter. So that's a, a brief outline. I'd like to spend the rest of the time going through a little bit, um, some of the specifics of this, this liturgy, because the Easter Vigil, St. Augustine calls it the mother of all vigils. And a vigil means a night watch. By saying it's the mother of all vigils, he's saying this is the most important one. All the other vigils of keeping watch during the night ultimately have their, their origin in, in this most important nighttime watch. So, uh, first of all, the, the time of this. So we're, we're used to sometimes wrongly referring to the, the Saturday evening mass in the parishes as the, the vigil mass. It's really not the right word. Uh, the Saturday evening mass is not a vigil uh, normally. It's, it would be more appropriately called the anticipated mass. We're actually celebrating Sunday mass on Saturday evening. And so it is the anticipated mass of Sunday. It is not normally a, a vigil in the proper sense. A vigil is a night watch, and that is what we will do tonight. So the instructions indicate that this Mass must be at night, okay? By most ancient tradition, this is the night of keeping vigil for the Lord, okay? Uh, this Of this night's vigil, which is the greatest and most noble of all solemnities, hmm. The entire celebration of the Easter Vigil must take place during the night. 
so that it begins after nightfall and ends before daybreak on the Sunday. So, nighttime. It is strictly required that it be night, so not 5 p.m. Uh, on Saturday. In fact, um, when the uh, the Holy See put out a, a document, you know, helping priests to understand how to celebrate the, the Easter liturgies, they actually, in reference to this requirement that the Easter vigil be at night when it is dark, they actually used the word reprehensible to refer to celebrating the, v- the vigil before it's dark. Um, only time in a church document I can recall them in an official document using the word reprehensible. But uh, as we'll see, the reason for this is, as in the liturgy, we, we use signs, things of this world, to help point to spiritual realities that might not as easily be understood. And so we, we use the stuff of this world. The, the whole sacramental system is based on this principle. We use water, oil, wine, and, and tonight we even use the, the element of, of darkness and fire and light and candles to help us understand the, the darkness of sin and death before the resurrection and then the beautiful light of Jesus risen from the dead. The liturgy will sing over and over of this night, the darkness and the light piercing it. We can see just what a farce it would be to be singing about how dark it is when it's not dark. Uh, that that cheapens the, the sign of the liturgy. And in this most important liturgy of the entire year, uh, how sad to treat it so cheaply uh, as to say, yeah, we're, we're going to sing about how it's dark when everyone knows it's not dark. Don't lie, uh, in the liturgy especially. Uh, so the church tells us it needs to be dark because over and over we're going to talk about it's dark and now it's been brightened. So it's a, a sign that doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Uh, at the beginning, the, the church is completely dark. And in fact, everyone is outside the church in the darkness of the night and so we, we start out in the darkened night, and there, the first thing that happens is we light a fire. And this fire will, of course, come to, to recognize uh, the rising of Jesus from the dead and how his resurrection dispels the, the darkness of the night. It's a, such a, a beautiful sign. And, and so this, this whole first part of the, the liturgy is known as the the Lucernarium, uh, a service of light, it could be uh, translated. And uh, so it starts in darkness. And then the, the, the fire that is, is lit is, is supposed to be uh, a large burning fire. In the, the previous liturgy, and I'll, I'll refer to the more ancient liturgy, the Jesus Antiquior, the extraordinary form, the Latin mass, whatever, um, if I refer to the, the previous rite, I'm referring to uh, Holy Week as it existed prior to the Second Vatican Council, and particularly 1955, the last revisions to that. Uh, in the older rite, the fire uh, was unlit when the priest arrived, and then he was to light the fire in front of everyone. And you could imagine that's a bit of a command performance to light a fire in front of everyone. Now, it's a good Boy Scout, no problem. But just to make it even a little harder, the priest was to 
light the fire by striking from a flint. Uh, so literally flint and steel to start a fire in front of everyone waiting for the Easter Vigil to start. So that was a lot of pressure. Um, but apparently it worked. Um, uh, now uh, the, the fire is allowed to be lit when the, the priest arrives. So it says, a blazing fire is prepared in a suitable place outside the church. When the people are gathered there, the priest approaches with the ministers, one of whom carries the Paschal candle. So that uh, fire and Paschal candle are going to be a very important part of our liturgy tonight. Now, as the as the priest arrives, we will have the a brief introduction. The words in the liturgy uh, in the missal say this: "Dear brothers and sisters, on this most sacred night, in which our Lord Jesus Christ passed over." From death to life. Now, right away, again, we have this notion of time in which, because God is outside time, uh, he's not bound by time. And so a, a past event, Jesus passing from death to life 2,000 years ago on the first Holy Saturday, that past event is made present to us right now as we celebrate the liturgy. Through the, the mystery of time, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the priest says, on this most sacred night in which our Lord Jesus Christ passed over from death to life. That happens. Somehow in the, the celebration of the liturgy of the vigil, it's not that we just recall Jesus rising from the dead and giving new life, that there is a sense in which new life is given us, that we experience and enter into the resurrection of Jesus from the dead through our liturgical participation. It's much more than empty ritual or just traditional things that we do. It's a very participation in the mysteries of the life of Jesus and the resurrection. So on this night, the church recalls, or the church calls upon her sons and daughters scattered throughout the world to come together to watch and pray. That's what we're doing as the vigil starts. We're watching praying, coming together. This is what the early church would have done. I mentioned uh, Egeria, a Roman noble woman who made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for Holy Week in the fourth century. She, she writes about this. This is what they did. They came together during the night. They read the scriptures. They watched. They pray. If we keep the memorial of the Lord's paschal solemnity in this way, listening to his word and celebrating his mysteries, so listening to his word, that refers to the the liturgy of the word, celebrating the mysteries. So mysteries is another word for sacraments. So celebrating the mysteries here especially refers to the sacraments of baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. Then we shall have the sure hope of sharing his triumph over death and living with him in God. So we enter into these mysteries of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And if we share in them, in our celebration, then we pray that we will share in their full flowering as we would share life forever with Jesus in heaven. So he blesses the fire then. Let us pray, he says. O God, who through your Son bestowed upon the faithful the fire of your glory, sanctify this new fire, we pray, and grant that by these paschal celebrations we may be so inflamed with heavenly desires that with minds made pure, we may attain festivities 
of unending splendor. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Lots of language of symbolism of light, fire, the fire of the Easter Vigil being compared to the, the fire of our desires. Sometimes we think passions are, are bad. No, passions are good. Passions are what drive us to do anything. So like this Easter fire, we're praying that we would be inflamed with desire, but with minds made pure, we might have that unending splendor. Splendor, another word for the light, especially the light of heaven. So beautiful imagery there. Literally everyone's standing around in the darkness around a bright fire. Now, uh, after the fire is blessed, there is then the, the blessing of the Paschal candle or the, the Easter candle. Now, this is a, a special candle that is, is new every year. So you're, you're not allowed to reuse the previous year's candle. It must be blessed new each year. And it is that if, if you are in your church and you're at a funeral or a baptism or all during Easter, you'll see that there's a, a big, probably four foot tall, uh, large candle uh, that is blessed once a year at this uh, Easter vigil. And particularly during the vigil, the, the Paschal candle will represent Christ for us in a special way. And so the way the candle is blessed, uh, it, it, it's almost as if the, the, the candle is, is personifying or, or representing uh, Christ for us. Because as uh, the candle is blessed, it's, it's marked uh, with certain carvings actually says that after the fire is blessed, the, one of the ministers brings the Paschal candle to the priest who cuts, literally incises. He, he has to take a, a, a stylus or some other instrument and carve into the, the wax uh, a cross. So the first he cuts a cross. And there, he, you can see in doing so, it's as if it wounds the, the candle by cutting a cross into it. Um, then he traces a Greek letter alpha above the cross and an omega below the cross. So that is the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. So it, it's showing that as he does so, it says he is the alpha and the omega. This comes right out of the book of Revelation. Uh, Jesus is the, the beginning and the end. And I love this. Sometimes people rearrange the, the symbols on the candle. Um, well, well, we'll put an alpha and an omega on there somewhere. The, the alpha goes at the top of the cross and the omega goes at the bottom uh, because that's the way that the candle burns down. And in one time, this this was really evident to me uh, as we, we got towards the end of the year. So it, the candle had burned all year at funerals, baptisms. Um, and by the time we got, you know, almost to next year's Lent, the, the candle had burned all the way down and all that was left was a stump of a candle with the omega left on the bottom. So uh, a pretty uh, fitting symbol, uh, the end. And there is a sense, as we'll see, that, that the candle is itself a sacrifice. It gives itself up, as it were, and burns alpha to omega, beginning to end. And then in the arms of the cross, the, the priest cuts the, the four uh, numerals for the year. So in this case, 2022 for 2022, showing that all of the time belongs to God. So as he does this, he says, Christ yesterday and today, the beginning and the end, 
the Alpha and the Omega. All time belongs to him and all the ages. To him be glory and power through every age and forever. Amen. Now, uh, like I say, in the fullness of this, he actually cuts it in there. It's not exactly an option for him not to do that, but today, often we'll, we will buy a Paschal candle that has these symbols uh, already um, on there, uh, maybe with beautiful, you know, painted on there, or added with wax. Uh, it, it seems that uh, there, there should be some kind of cutting. It's not a, an option not to cut, uh, but perhaps uh, the markings could be on there and the priest could trace with the stylus on there or something like that. After that, the, the final part, um, five grains of incense are then added to the candle to represent the, the five wounds of Christ. So again, the, if the candle represents Christ, we cut a cross into it, and then we actually put incense in the place of the cross where the five wounds would be. The priest does so. He says, by his holy and glorious wounds, may Christ the Lord guard us and protect us. Amen. And then uh, as the blessing of the candle is completed in that way, it is finally lit from the new fire. And it is then fully prepared. And at that point, we are ready to process into the darkened church behind this candle that represents Christ. And as we do so, we're, we are reminded of the way that the, uh, the Israelites, when they left Egypt in the Exodus, were told that they went through the wilderness with a pillar of fire, a column of fire and a cloud to, to guide them. Uh, and so that is, our, that is our order of procession tonight. We have a, a cloud in that incense is lit and uh, the coals taken from the Easter fire. So there is literally a cloud and then a column of fire that leads us from the darkness of the night into the, the church. We're meant to see in that uh, how the exodus from Egypt, leaving physical slavery in Egypt to freedom in God, that's what happens tonight in Jesus' rising from the dead, and especially as we see the, the elect baptized. We are the new, the new Israel who is following our cloud and column of fire in a new and definitive exodus. As Jesus said in that opening reading, not, not to leave and return to a mere earthly paradise, not to leave Egypt and, and go to a holy land in Jerusalem, but to leave the, the Egypt of slavery, of sin in this world, and live in a new freedom of the resurrected Lord. That exodus. What a powerful sign. And so as the, the candle is raised, priest says, may the light of Christ rising in glory dispel the darkness of our hearts and minds. I think, too, of the image of, of darkness, uh, a heaviness of hearts and minds. I think in these last years of, of COVID and, and many other difficulties and struggles, it's been, been some dark times, uh, you know, a heaviness of heart and mind. For sure. And so as I just, I pray over those words right now, 
really let that not be a throwaway line tonight. This is why the symbolism is so powerful. It's dark. It's gloomy. Darkness, lack, lack of hope, heaviness. And then we, we bless this candle. And we light it with this new fire. And we really do pray that the light of Christ rising in glory. This is, this is not something that happened 2,000 years ago and is you know, just something we think about tonight. It happens. And how much we need that to happen, that Christ would indeed dispel whatever darkness you're suffering with tonight. Let that be your, your prayer during the, the vigil, during the Lutronarium, service of light. Christ, dispel the darkness of my heart and mind. Whatever gloominess is there, whatever sadness, allow this night the light of Christ to dispel some of that darkness. Okay, uh, then we, we process into the church, and there are three stops along the way. The first is at the, the door of the church, and the, the deacon who is carrying the candle is to raise up the candle, and he sings, Lumen Christi, or the light of Christ. And everyone responds, Deo gratias, thanks be to God. Those just powerful words, Lumen Christi, the light of Christ, thanks be to God. And if we truly do know the, the darkness of hearts and minds and everything that's gone wrong perhaps recently, then indeed, thanks be to God for the light of Christ. After, after the first Lumen Christi, uh, everyone is carrying little hand candles uh, that represent our, our baptism. And so after the first Lumen Christi, the, the priest lights his candle off the Easter candle. And then those two, the Paschal candle and the priest candle, process into the middle of the church, where is the, there's the second Lumen Christi. And at that moment, all the people who are carrying candles representing their baptism light their candles. And right away, we, we go from this darkened church in which one flame approaches the door, two flames move to the center, and then that, that fire that began outside is now in the church and spreads everywhere to all the faithful. Those little flames representing our, our baptism. And as the procession makes its way up to the front of the church, it, it's always striking. We actually will sing about this uh, in the, the prayer of, of, of the candle, that fire is one of those things that when you divide something, normally there's less of it. You know, if I've got a pie and I, I cut it into eight pieces and give out the eight pieces, well, it, I've only got one piece of that pie, not the whole pie. It, it, it gets less by being divided. Fire is not that way. Uh, in fact, we will sing that the flame is divided, but undimmed. It actually gets greater by being divided. And isn't that a beautiful example for the faith? As we share the, the fire of our faith, our desire enkindled, as we read earlier, it doesn't get less. It gets more. By sharing the, the faith, by living out our baptism, it actually it doesn't divide us, doesn't diminish. It actually causes other people to become on fire with God, and they spread it. And as Jesus said, would that the whole world were on fire. I have, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, Jesus says, and would that it were burning. 
Tonight, we, we live out the fulfillment of that. As we divide the Easter fire, it glows brighter and brings more people to that fire, especially as we see our elect baptized tonight. So finally, the, the procession gets to the, the sanctuary. There is a third Lumen Christi, Deo gratias. And at that, we, we add the lights that we can add, the lights in the church, it says, are put on. Uh, and we have truly brightened uh, the night. Some some people don't read the, the full instructions, I think, um, for this. Uh, the when the, the lights of the church come on after the, the third Lumen Christi. Uh, so uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't make sense to as some places I, I think maybe early on after the Vatican Council they maybe didn't read the whole instructions uh, and and people would like blow out their candles sit down and it'd be dark again um, what what a counter sign uh, to go from hey we've just brightened the night with the light of the resurrection it's bright we sing over and over how bright it is. It doesn't make any sense to go back to darkness. I'm, so, priests, read the instructions. Uh, it, it says after the third Lumen Christi that the, the lights of the church are put on except for the altar candles. Priest, that's number 17 in the instructions uh, for the, the Easter Vigil. So read that if you haven't. Um, so there we've, we've processed in. Everyone's holding lighted candles. The night has been brightened. And then we, we get the, the singing of what is known as the Paschal Precomium or the Easter Proclamation. This used to be a, a prayer in which the blessing of the candle took place. And so there's lots of singing about the candle. Now it's kind of a, a thanksgiving over the, over the candle. And it, it's known, as, as a lot of things are in the church, it's known by the, the first words uh, in Latin. And the first word is uh, exultat. It literally means let him or them, let's say the, the host of heaven, um, <clears throat> let them exult. And this is uh, only sung this this one time a year, and it's it's an extended chant. And so I, I when I'm preparing people, I always tell them that uh, this this chant it, it it's about seven minutes. Uh, so as we'll see. Everything about this liturgy is is meant to be a prolongation, an, an extending. It's a night watch. It's a it's a vigil. So things are long. The the exultat chant is about seven minutes long. The liturgy of the word, as we'll see, has twelve readings. It's a uh, it's it's meant to be an extended watch. So I'll share some of the highlights of the exultat. I won't even read it all for you here, but but some of the things to to listen for. Um, the whole part just starts with joining our praises with those in heaven. Let the host of heaven exult. Let the angel ministers of God exult. Let the trumpet of salvation sound aloud our mighty king's triumph. And I, I, I love it because in the, the, the chanting, uh, uh, let the trumpet of salvation and get this sound. It's it's a it's a fifth. It, it actually is a, a kind of trumpeting sort of interval. Sound aloud, our mighty king's triumph. Uh, so it actually is meant to sound like a little trumpet, uh, sort of sounding. 
uh, be glad. Glory floods her ablaze with the light from her eternal king. Let all the corners of the earth be glad, knowing an end to gloom and darkness. How, how beautiful as we sing about this. Um, and then the, the, the minister is going to sing about the light of the candle and about the candle. He, he has dear friends standing in the awesome glory of this holy light. We're, we're literally bathed in light at this point. Glory of this holy light. Invoke with me, I ask you, the mercy of God Almighty. Isn't it? Isn't that beautiful? Okay, then there's there's a, a little part that is is like what happens at the, the Eucharist, and it goes back to the days in which the, the candle was actually blessed at this time. So the, the minister, if it's, if it's a priest or deacon, will sing the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. Same language we use right before we consecrate the Eucharist. We're using now right, right in praise of the candle. And then, you know, here, hear this. Um, to, to acclaim our God invisible, the Almighty Father, and Jesus Christ, our Lord, his Son, his only begotten, who for our sake paid Adam's debt to the Eternal Father. So right away, we're going to see we go back all the way to Adam. These then are the Feast of Passover. Like right now is the Feast of, of Passover in which is slain the Lamb. Remember the Passover lambs that saved Egypt from the death of the firstborn. They put the blood of the Lamb on their door and the firstborn were saved. That was the Passover. No, these then, right now, tonight, Easter, this is the true Passover in which is slain the Lamb, the one true Lamb, whose blood anoints the doorpost of believers, literally anoints the doorpost of our mouth as we receive the blood of Christ in the Eucharist, fulfills everything the Passover was meant to be. And then we have it. Over and over, we will hear this phrase. This is the night. This is the night. Hic nox est. This is the night. Not, we think, 2,000 years ago, but right now. This is the night when once you led our forebears, Israel's children, from slavery in Egypt, made them pass dry shod through the Red Sea. We will hear tonight as we get ready to celebrate the baptism of our elect over and over references to water, the Red Sea, the flood, salvation through water. This is the night that with a pillar of fire banished the darkness of sin. This is the night that sets Christian believers apart from worldly vices, from the gloom of sin, leading them to grace. This is the night when Christ broke the prison bars of death and rose victorious from the underworld. So beautiful. O love, O charity beyond all telling, to ransom a slave, you gave away your son. Wow, what an incredible line there. To ransom a slave, you gave away your son. And here, one of the most famous lines from the Exultet. O truly necessary sin of Adam, destroyed completely by the death of Christ, O happy fault. Felix Culpa in the Latin, oh, happy fault. 
that earned so great, so glorious a Redeemer. Wow. Oh, happy fault. Oh, necessary sin of Adam. So the rest of it, I'll leave it to you to, to pray over tonight. But it, it talks about the joy of, of this night. Uh, may this flame be found still burning by the morning star, the one morning star who never sets, Christ your Son, who coming back from death's domain has shed his peaceful light on humanity and lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. That all is known as the exultet in Latin. Literally, let, let it exult. That ends part one of the vigil, the service of light. Everyone blows out their candles, sits down, and we move to the liturgy of the word. And I, I took a little bit of time on that first part because um, we only do it once a year. And it's pretty special, the, the symbolism there. The, the second part uh, is the liturgy of the word. I won't spend as much time on this because um, I'll, I'll leave it to you to look up those readings. But I, the, the liturgy of the word, it says, um, in this vigil, the mother of all vigils, that's quoting Augustine, nine readings are provided. Namely, seven from the Old Testament and two from the New, the Epistle and the Gospel, all of which should be read whenever this can be done, so that the character of the vigil, which demands an extended period of time, may be preserved. So there are nine readings. It, and it says, it does say, nevertheless, where more serious pastoral circumstances demand it, the number of readings from the Old Testament may be reduced. So, uh, I, I, fathers, I, I invite you to please read carefully number 20 and 21 of the instructions for the Easter Vigil. Uh, the whole point of this night is to prolong it. Uh, so, nine readings are what's offered. Unless your more serious pastoral circumstances demand it, um, let's let's try to do it. But when I was the the one who organized the vigil and got to celebrate it, we we did all all nine of the readings, all the responses, and it was beautiful. So consider that. But uh, there's a little difference in the way the readings are done tonight. In that um, after each of the readings, there's a responsory, and then there's a, a prayer. So everyone will actually stand. We'll say a prayer and sit and do another one. So uh, the seven Old Testament readings. You've got a reading from Genesis about the creation of the world. So tonight, as we look forward to the resurrection of Jesus being the new creation, well, we start with the original creation. And we hear of how God created the, the heavens and the earth. Uh, and a, a beautiful account of that. Uh, second reading about the sacrifice of Abraham, sacrificing Isaac. We know that Isaac was the beloved firstborn of his father. And Abraham was called to sacrifice him. But famously, God stopped him from actually sacrificing his firstborn beloved son. But on this night of the resurrection, we recall that God the Father did actually allow the sacrifice of his firstborn beloved son, Jesus Christ. So Isaac, the son of Abraham, is a, a type of Jesus. So we read that God, he was... He's his father of the faithful. He increases the children of the promise uh, by, by pouring out uh, the grace of adoption 
throughout the whole world. We are made the beloved sons and daughters. We become the, the sons and daughters of Abraham. We are, as I've said yesterday, spiritually Jewish. We, we join uh, that, that promise. Third reading is uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. So we, we read that from Exodus. Uh, fourth reading is, is about uh, the, the new Jerusalem of Isaiah. And, and then the, the fifth reading is, is also uh, from Isaiah. And this is about salvation being offered. Then there's, there's poor Baruch. Um, Baruch often gets left out. So read that reading maybe today. You want to do something that you might not get to hear at the vigil. If people leave out one of the readings, it, it's probably poor Baruch. So, so check him out uh, uh, tonight because, well, that's a pretty beautiful reading. And then finally, the, the reading uh, from the prophet Ezekiel that especially speaks of uh, water and, and God uh, using water, which is, of course, the prefiguring of baptism. So with each of those, there's the reading, there's a responsory, and then there's a standing, and there's a prayer. After the seventh Old Testament reading from Ezekiel, we get the Gloria. And this is, as I said back, if you go to Holy Thursday, the, the Gloria we do on Holy Thursday, and during the singing of the Gloria, we ring the bells, and then it says that the, the bells don't ring again until the Gloria here at the Easter Vigil. In fact, in the, the old rite, it was forbidden uh, up until the moment of the Gloria for there to be flowers, decorations, anything. So as we sing the Gloria tonight, for the first time since Thursday, we we will ring the bells, the, the bells in our tower, the, the little bells the servers have. Um, when I was able to organize this, I would actually have people processing in with the, the lilies and flowers. Um, that requires a lot of coordination. So um, we would be, you know, unveiling images and things like that. So it's a, a beautiful moment. After we've read these seven Old Testament readings, we've We've done so, and this is another reason why you don't go back to the darkness. Uh, sometimes people just read the instructions. You don't go back to darkness. But as we read the Old Testament, the reason we're doing this is because we know what Jesus has done. We, we're reading the Old Testament in the light of the resurrection. Oh, the way God created in the beginning, I see now he's doing a new creation. Ah, the, the way Abraham offered a sacrifice Oh, God has definitively offered a sacrifice. That water that Ezekiel or Isaiah speak of, okay, that, that prefigured baptism. So we're definitely not in the, the dark spiritual. We shouldn't be in the dark physically. Um, we're reading the Old Testament now in the new light of, ah, I see how what God was doing even way back there in the Old Testament, it was all pointing forward to this day. So after we finish the Old Testament readings, we can sing glory to God and then we we get um, the epistle reading uh, from from Saint Paul. After the epistle, it comes to the the time that uh, we've been waiting for since the beginning of Lent. We have we have not used the A word. And I, disclaimer: if you don't want to hear the A word before tonight, uh, I'm going to say it. So you might want to just stop watching. Uh, but it's outside the liturgy, so we can do it. And I'm talking, of course, about Alleluia. No, there it is. I said it. Um, we have not said it in the liturgy since Lent began. Here is where it comes back. 
that it, there's a beautiful tradition of even burying the Alleluia, where people would take a maybe a board with Alleluia on it or a banner, put it in a little coffin, bury it out in the cemetery to show we've said goodbye to Alleluia. Uh, in the Western church, anyway, Alleluia has taken on a very Easter kind of characteristic. So it comes back tonight after the epistle, and it, it says that the priest solemnly intones the Alleluia three times, raising his voice by a step each time with all repeating. I, I like this, the, the way it's done when the, um, when the bishop celebrates Mass. So in the ceremonial of bishops, it has at this moment that the deacon comes out. And if you remember when we get a new pope, <laughs> it doesn't happen very often, but the, the proto-deacon of the College of Cardinals comes out to announce that we have a new pope. And he says, Annuncio vobis gaudium magnum habemus papum. I announce to you a great joy. We have a pope. Well, tonight at the Easter vigil with the bishop, the deacon comes out and he says to the bishop, Annuncio vobis gaudium magnum. I announce to you a great joy. Quod est alleluia, which is alleluia. So a little bit of trivia. Who says alleluia first? In Easter, well, it depends. If if it's the uh, mass with the bishop, it's the deacon. If it's mass without a bishop, it's supposed to be the priest. Or if he if he can't manage to sing the Alleluia chant, it it does say uh, if necessary the psalmist intones it. So three times where we chant it, and and then it's taken up by the psalmist, the the cantor, and the choir singing Alleluia in between the the, the verses of Psalm one seventeen. Uh, that speaks of the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And we're just so happy to sing Alleluia again. Uh, and then uh, we, we are able to have the gospel. So the 12th reading uh, is, is or the ninth reading, excuse me, is, is the gospel. Seven Old Testament, an epistle, uh, and a gospel. So the gospel is, is always about the resurrection of Jesus. And then there's a homily. And that completes the, the second part of tonight's liturgy, which is the, the liturgy of the word. So that is the characteristic of a vigil, that it be long, extended. So um, I would encourage you to go online today, look at the readings for the Easter vigil, maybe pray over those this afternoon, because there's, there's a good chance that you will not get to hear all of them at the liturgy tonight. Uh, so this afternoon, I'm, I'm going to you know pray over them, especially poor Baruch, uh, who, who never gets read. Um, so maybe you could do that this afternoon. All right, the, the third part of the liturgy then is the baptismal liturgy. I won't go into this uh, a whole lot, but um, we'll say that this is the, the part that people often think, well, the Easter Vigil, it's about the RCIA, the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults, where all those who are becoming Catholic become Catholic. It is true that that is a part of the liturgy, but even if there were no people to be baptized or received into full communion, we would still celebrate the Easter Vigil, and it would still be the most important liturgy of the whole year. <laughs> so uh, sometimes people don't go to the Vigil because like, oh, that's that's the Mass for the, the catechumens. No, it's the Mass for the whole church. It is, Augustine said, the mother of all vigils. It is the most important liturgy of the whole year. Finally, as the third part of this liturgy, we do get to the rite of baptism. Uh, and, and so during that, the catechumens uh, will be baptized. I, I invite you, uh, especially during this, to pay attention to the prayer of the the blessing of the water. It, it recalls all the way that God has used water. Everything we read about in the 
the liturgy of the word, the way that God has used water to save his people. Pay attention to that. And, and then also the, the baptismal promises. The, uh, the, the catechumens, the elect, will make theirs, and then all of us will have a chance to renew ours. But I, I would call your attention to this fact, that in the, the early church, the way that this would have happened at, at Easter uh, would be that all of the catechumens would be c- completely naked, led to the baptistry, often a separate building, and there they would be asked to uh, face to the west, the, the setting sun, the place of darkness, symbolic of, of evil. And three times they would be asked to renounce Satan. Do you renounce Satan? And we're told that they were to yell loudly with much gusto, Abrenuncio, I renounce. And three times, it always empty show, Abrenuncio, I renounce. And it, we're even told that they would spit to the West. <laughs> so I guess mental note, if you're at an early church baptism, they're like, oh, look, there's a lot of space along the Western Wall. Let's stand there. No, uh, you might get spat upon. Um, so after three times renouncing Satan, they would turn around 180 degrees, face East, and they would be asked three times if they believed in God. Do you believe God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit? And three times they would yell, Credo. I believe, literally from the Latin, it's two words, core, which is heart, and dare, the word to give, do means I give. Core, do becomes credo, I give my heart. And they would yell, credo, I believe, I give my heart. And then after three times professing their faith, they would be completely immersed under the water and brought up to new life, um, symbolized by the going under the water, the death of Jesus. If you're underwater, you can't breathe. Come up to new life and you breathe in the air, literally spirit. Isn't it beautiful that the Holy Spirit descends uh, at baptism and literally enters the soul of the one to be baptized. Then coming up out of the water, they would have oil poured all over the top of their head and the oil would be running down and this is the origin of, of, of confirmation, because with the oil poured all over them, running down upon uh, their forehead, you, you, uh, the bishop would come forward and trace the sign of the cross in the oil as it ran down on the forehead. Think of um, as he uh, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and the sealing part. Think of, think of a, a letter that you used to, to seal with wax. So you fold up your letter, you, you pour, like, say, red wax uh, over top of the fold, and then as the wax hardens and dries, you would, you would press a, a seal, maybe like a signet ring or a, a stamp of a seal into the, the wax, and this would authenticate the letter. The wax holds it closed, and the, the seal of the person shows who made this letter and that it's authentic. Who does it belong to? Who did it come from? That's what happens when the, the oil is fresh, dripping down like that wax on a, a letter. The bishop comes forward and seals with the seal of the cross, uh, claiming that person for, for Jesus, authenticating them as now a member of the body of Christ. Be sealed, uh, he says, with the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's confirmation. Uh, and that is the right order then. Uh, so at the Easter vigil, it's required 
that uh, anyone who is no longer an infant, um, so anyone seven years old or older is presumed to have the use of reason, so they would uh, receive baptism. They would then be confirmed with the anointing of this sacred chrism, the oil. And finally, initiation is completed with the reception of Holy Communion. So baptism, confirmation, Eucharist. Those are the three sacraments of initiation. And at the Easter Vigil, anyway, they happen in the correct order uh, for the people who are adults, um, read seven years old or older, uh, when they get baptized. So if you see someone tonight who looks like, hey, they don't look like they're in eighth grade or high school. That kid looks like they're only about seven years old. Did they just get confirmed? Yes, they did. Uh, because when someone who is seven or older gets baptized, they are to be confirmed immediately to keep those sacraments in the right order. So something that is uh, on the minds of a lot of bishops and, and liturgists uh, this day. In the United States, we've got this rather uh, interesting, well, I, I guess, uh, I don't want to overdo it. I was, I was going to call it a perversion, but that word has... Um, not good connotations in English. So this rather strange juxtaposition of the sacraments of initiation in the, the American church, where people receive first communion before they're confirmed. That's actually really weird and an, a, a novelty in the whole history of the church. The Eucharist is meant to be the completion of our Christian initiation. So confirmation always followed baptism, sometimes immediately after baptism if it's an adult, but even for infants, you would be confirmed uh, and then receive your, your first communion. Pius X wanted us to give communion earlier, but he never intended that confirmation would come after. So just realize at the Easter vigil, it's required that the sacraments be given in the correct order. Baptism, confirmation, then Eucharist. Um, so if you see a seven-year-old getting confirmed at the Easter vigil, yes, that is confirmation. Um, the other thing might happen is uh, we might receive already baptized people into full communion, and then they would also be uh, confirmed if they're seven years old or older, and then everyone would get to receive their first communion. Uh, as an option, um, all of the faithful who are gathered, we also get a chance to renew our baptismal promises, and then it, it's beautiful because everyone gets sprinkled with the, the holy water, blessed for the baptisms. And so it's a, a renewal in which our baptism is the way that we participate in Christ's passion, death, resurrection. Do you not know that you who are baptized, St. Paul says, were baptized into his death? And so as we recall Christ's death and resurrection, how beautiful that we would have actual baptisms of converts to, to witness, and then we remember our own baptism and renew our own baptismal promises. So that is the third part of um, the liturgy tonight. Uh the, the right of baptism, Christian initiation. Um, okay, the, the fourth and final part is the liturgy of the Eucharist. So this is, um, everything is the same as normal mass, uh, shall we say. And uh, there are a few changes to the Eucharistic prayer to remind us that this is the day, the night, as we'll hear tonight, in which all this happens. The whole... Uh, Liturgy, the, the, the Eucharist will be consecrated at the Mass. So just like Holy Thursday, that the tabernacle will be empty uh, when people enter the church. So it, it gets filled finally at the, the end of this Mass. So I, I always kind of like after uh, communion, we'll, we'll put the Eucharist back in the, the main tabernacle of the church for the, the first time since Holy Thursday afternoon. And it's, 
it's kind of nice to take the fire from the, the Easter candle and put it in the little red lamp, you know, that, that goes by the tabernacle and relight that again. Because it, it's strange to come into the church Thursday afternoon until fr- until Saturday night and that the tabernacle is empty. And we just kind of take for granted you come into the church and we can pray in the presence of Jesus. As I go into the church this morning, I, you know, I, I want to sit and pray and I, I do, but I'm, I'm kind of mindful of the fact that, well, the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist is not there. Uh, so it's a beautiful time after that Easter communion to, to put Jesus back in the tabernacle. The whole Mass ends with a solemn blessing and a dismissal. And at the end of the dismissal, we're so happy to be able to say Alleluia again, uh, that we, we add it on uh, two times at the end and everyone re- repeats it. Um, that whole uh, Mass then, the Easter Vigil, begins the season of Easter. So the, the season of Easter, it's marked, first of all, by the, the octave of Easter, so eight days of Easter, and, and then 50 days of the season of Easter. So remember, 40 days later, Jesus ascends to heaven, and, and then nine days after that, we get Pentecost. And so the modern calendar, the season of Easter, runs all the way through Pentecost. One note about um, Easter Sunday, uh, then, so there's there's... Mass during the night, the vigil, is the, the first Mass of, of Easter. But then on Easter Sunday, there is also a, a Mass uh, during the day. Uh, so the, the day of Easter, uh, we'll, we'll see basically uh, what looks like a Sunday Mass with renewal of baptismal promises uh, with a, a, a particular addition. Uh, there is a sequence this is a, a chant that comes after the second reading, before the Alleluia. There, there aren't too many uh, sequences we have left. Pentecost, Easter, uh, Corpus Christi, Our Lady of Sorrows. Um, but the, the sequence for Easter is the most famous of all of them. In Latin, it is Victime Pascali, to the Paschal Victim. Victime Pascali laude simulin Christiani. Just the, the, the tone sounds like Easter to me because of it. Um, my, my, uh, Christians praise the, the Paschal victim. One of my favorite lines from this, Morset vita duello, uh, death and life in a, a duel, conflict sere mirando, uh, a stupendous confliction, a stupendous battle, uh, death and life fought. And... The, the Lord of life who died, reignat vivus, reigns alive. Death and life fought bitterly. Life wins. Uh, it's a, just a, a beautiful, joyful proclamation on the day of Easter. So one thing good about Easter Sunday liturgies that's not in the vigil is, is the sequence. So you can enjoy that on Easter Sunday. So as I said then, uh, that it all begins tonight. This is the night. I pray that uh, my reflection with you uh, here this morning over Holy Saturday, the day of watching and waiting, and then, of course, the beautiful vigil liturgy that we'll celebrate tonight to begin Easter. Um, pray that this would be a, a time in which truly you can enter into this liturgy in the way that the Second Vatican Council intended, full, conscious, actual participation. If we celebrate the solemnity of these mysteries tonight, we pray that we might share 
the glory of heaven with our risen Lord. That is actually possible tonight. It is real. It is a past event, the resurrection of Jesus made present now, that as we participate in it, we share even now in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead as we make our way through this valley of tears, mourning and weeping. We do so in the light, the new light of Easter, which we will all share tonight as the great fire dispels the darkness and leads us into our celebration of the Easter Vigil tonight. I hope these three days of reflection on the Sacred Triduum Liturgies have been helpful to you and your, your prayer and preparation. Thanks to all who have joined us live. I don't see any uh, questions today, but for those who will watch this video later, I, I hope that it can help some way in your spiritual preparations to celebrate well the Vigil tonight. I am now going to go watch the, uh, the Vigil from Rome and catch up uh, with where they're at. And, uh, and we'll watch a little bit from Washington, D.C., and do some prayer my, myself, and, and then prepare, because this is the night. Mother of all vigils, I hope that it will be fruitful for you and your families, and in some way, my reflections today have helped. God bless you, and we'll see you in the joy of Easter.